Welcome to the Adversity Psychologist Podcast, a podcast incorporating narratives about facing and navigating adversity, a mixture of people, their experiences, and professional psychological discussion. I'm Dr. Tara Quintarillo. I'm a qualified and regulated psychologist with over 20 years' experience of mental health, disability, and human behavior. I want to share people's stories of navigating adversity in the hope that through being heard, a dose of compassion and some understanding, we can help others in the face of adversity too. Hi, and welcome to the Adversity Psychologist podcast. I'm really excited today. Am I allowed to have favourites? Um, so I have someone really special on today. I have Chris Willoughby, and I'm going to let him introduce himself because I will not do you justice. So hi, Chris. Say hello and <laughs> let us know a little bit about who you are, what's brought you on. Um, hello. Hello, Tara. Dr. Hi. Tara. Um, I... I suppose I'm, a, I'm an actor and a writer and a comedian. Um, so I kind of, um, I was 25 and I decided I wanted to be an actor because um, I just had like a, I think I'd had a breakup and I was like, God, I've got to do something with my life. I was working in a, in a, for a, like a toy salesman. <laughs> I didn't know that. <laughs> Yeah, like for like, you know, like little pound um, chairs into World of Adventures kind of stuff. Yes, I have drawers full of that downstairs, yeah. Yeah, so I was selling that and then um, I sort of split up with this girl. I was in this in this little office in a warehouse and I thought, I want to act. Just want to, I just want to act. So I found this school in, in, the, in the Yellow Pages, I think it was. And I auditioned and it was like a two-week audition process. And I got in, um, and then it was like, I, I, yeah, it was crazy. I had to kind of, two years that was, every night for two years. That's dedication. Um, yeah, because you had to pay, like, to pay for it myself, so it was kind of, um, I had to work in a day and then pay for the classes. Um, but it was the best thing I ever did, I think. <laughs> it taught me to and be kind of me. What did, what did it lead you to? So people haven't already um, heard of you. Well, I don't. I don't think anyone would have heard of me, to be honest. I'm, I'm, not, I'm not like a nobody. But um, there was one of my directors for 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 a project at the at acting school. He asked if I'd ever thought about doing stand up, and I had. I'd done one gig once after a show, um, but I hadn't planned anything. It was just like I just thought I'd just take the mickey out of all of the cast and what they'd done because there was one one guy had farted on stage and it and, and I thought I'll give him some stick um and then so I kind of got a taste for it doing that and I knew I could kind of um sort of think on my feet quite quickly yeah. I love um, that I mean all yeah so, can do that I mean it's the only thing I can do like I can't do maths um I'm quite good at spelling. Um, so yeah, so I, I ended up um, doing a, a comedy course, uh, and I met some of my best friends doing that. We still one of my friends I still write with now, um, and he's yeah, he's brilliant. We kind of we've always got something we're working on. Um, so we both uh, we ended up writing a show um, after a bit of depression. Um, and that's something I never thought I'd do, like a 
you know, stand up wise, I wasn't like a gig in, I don't do gigs. Yeah. Um, so I just did like an hour and like hadn't tested it on anyone, just thought I would do it because it, it made it made us laugh. Um, and did another one last year, I think. So it was a bit, and that's all off the back of depression, really. So I've got, uh, and that's what's brought you on here so we only met two weeks ago didn't we through a mutual friend well two mutual friends actually yes um I'd like to yes. say we just hit it off we had a fantastic time I had a really really nice time <laughs> it was very funny but wasn't it off the back of that <laughs> we'll leave it there um yep. off the back of that we got talking didn't we because I never quite switch off my work hat and you have a really interesting backstory um and something that you're working on at the moment really, really interested me. So we've been talking about that a little bit, haven't we? That your yes, lived experience yeah. of depression, you've kind of brought that into your comedy, to your work, but you've also kind of realised, or it's made you think a bit more, which I love about how people have conversations about mental health. So that's why I was like, I need to have you on my podcast because there's so many things there. Um, there's the kind of lived experience, getting people talking, but if it's all right to say getting men talking, as well because we know that's yes, a demographic that yeah. it is harder to get engaged um and what I'm kind of interested in is whether you could tell us hey I want to know what you're working on now because I'm going to go backwards I'm going to mix this up a little bit are you comfortable telling us a little bit about what you're working on at the moment and how that is trying to address conversations around mental health or well-being yes um where do I start? So, so essentially, um, the thing I'm doing at the moment is with with your help, which is going to be amazing. So, um, a tiny bit of help. This is all you. <laughs> I know you're pushing me. <laughs> um, is I, I did a show called Superman, um, but that came off the back of um, when I was depressed and quite in a in a low place. One of my yeah. friends, she uh, April, she's lovely. Um, she suggested I do something like um, on Instagram, you know, because I, you know, as a creative and a, and a performer, kind of, you've got yeah. this like internet thing now where you can you can do stuff and absolutely quite like making people laugh. <laughs> and you get at it. <laughs> yeah. So I so I started. Um, I decided I'd review tin soup. Um, a because it was sort of cheap. Um, not anymore. Right, yeah, got some here. I saw Nearly your Instagram post the other day. Yeah, <laughs> the cost of living yeah. crisis has impacted tin soup. <laughs> yeah, I mean, and you know, and that was the thing. It was like there was so there's so many soups, um, and so I had a little format that it would be like, you know, the look of the soup, the taste. Um, and I'd sort of speak a bit on how I felt that day. Um, and I also, I'd, I'd stopped drinking. So the, each video, I mean, the first videos were like, oh my God, I looked really bad. I looked like, I was like, hello, welcome to Chris's soup reviews. I want to <laughs> die while I'm eating this soup. And it was like, and then you could kind of see, um, a notable change in yeah. in how I looked and how the videos were becoming more like happy to do them and yeah and more comfortable talking about um 
about how I my feelings about how I felt. Um, yeah. And then one one night, I think I went to someone's birthday party, and it was one of those things that I think if I'd have been drinking, it I wouldn't I would have been like drinking, having a cigarette, some beer, and I never would have spoken to the person that I spoke to. Um, so I spoke to this lovely lady, Nikki, um, and she was sort of in charge of some fringe stuff. And I said to her, I said, I think I've got an idea for a show um, called Superman. And it's wow. about mental health. And it's it's like five five soups, in each, and each was like a point in time. Um, and also on stage, there was a live soup review, <laughs> which was fun. I love um, that. It is. <laughs> which sometimes a bit of like, humor sometimes humor can help with difficult conversations yeah difficult topics yeah because i think it, it's it's such a subject that you're like especially as a bloke as a man a bloke um you know i think that making it a bit more accessible through realizing that you can maybe laugh about it it's you know because it is, I, I mean, it's so serious. Right. Yeah. But um, so yeah, so I ended up doing the show, um, and I remember I think after one of the shows, um, this girl came up and with her, her her boyfriend, I think, and she was like, he he was suicidal or like not long ago, and okay. she was like, he just wanted to say like, the show really, it was lovely to see someone talking. Wow. Um, yeah. So that that was like, oh god, that's that's nice. You know, um, quite a and moment, then so now, so yeah, yeah, it was, it was lovely, yeah, and also like just having just being, being like standing up doing something that you love, but also being able to talk. Um, I think about a subject that we know that was pretty, pretty tough, but but great. I mean, I remember before I went on stage, I was like. But then when you're out there, it was... Which is understandable, but, um, isn't it? So it's like kind of the brainchild behind, obviously with your Instagram and the brainchild behind getting people talking. But uh, um, it's all right to share. We had a conversation about this, didn't we? That it is quite yeah. hard. A, when we look at the demographic, we know that men are less likely to share if they're struggling. We also know men of a certain age are actually at higher risk of suicide at the moment, according to statistics. It's hard to talk when you're face to face. If somebody sits in front of you, how are you? It's really hard sometimes to honestly open up. So one of the things yes. that we got talking about was what a great idea when you're doing it over an activity or some people may know in the other part of my job, I do walk and talk sessions in my community. It gets people talking, but it takes the pressure off. And that's what I really love. And I think that's why we really connected over this. And I had to get you on this podcast is your really innovative way of tackling some very, you know, very serious, and we'll come on to something else in a bit, won't we? But, you know, some really serious issues around mental health and the demographic yes. that we know it's harder, but in a way that has a little bit of humour, which we know can help people to lean into talking, but in a less kind of confrontational way. Through soup, which I've never had in this podcast before. <laughs> I'm really glad to bring in soup. Yeah, I think, like, because um, I when, when I was doing uh i was doing like live suit reviews in the build-up to doing the show and there was like a do you remember there was this like lockdown thing 
yeah. <laughs> if you scroll back to episode one of this podcast, that's when it started, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Is it? That's yeah. the thing a lot of people started. Um, so I started doing live suit reviews and I like, had sort of guests on. And because there, like, no one was out on a Friday night, she couldn't go out. So it was quite, it was perfect, really, because like people would actually watch it. Um, but I remember I had like a, I was with Kevin Bishop and we were having a bowl of soup. And it was just like, I, I kind of like, oh, this is like, it's just like breaking bread, isn't it? You know, um, just talking. And it kind of disarms people as well. It's quite. Absolutely. Um, yeah. Do you know what I mean? And like, you know, and, and then we'd sort of review the soup together and we'd, and go for I teach them the bread dip stuff but then just carried on that conversation and it was so that's that's kind of like the idea I think for this this podcast um that we what are we are we gonna we're gonna call it um can we talk yeah which I love absolutely love that and um, there's something really it, routine yeah. about eating you know it's a something we don't have to overly think about we were talking as well, we're both similar age, aren't we? That, you know, having a warming soup and a conversation over soup is part of most people's childhood, um, especially good old yeah. soup. Um, and I just think that really does break barriers. But what you want to do and what you want to do more of is basically getting Britain talking because as, as a society yes. in Britain, we are notoriously rubbish at sharing emotion. We're getting better. Um, but you've come up with this concept that I absolutely love. You know, can we talk? like a tin of soup for anyone who hasn't quite picked up on that at the moment yes um, and I can. absolutely love that and if it's all right to say do you know what's really interesting I just clicked with you the minute I met with you we we just clicked <laughs> it is so interesting that you just brought up a moment ago that when you look back through your videos you can see change so one of the things you might not know about me is I like to do my research on my podcast guests I went back through them all and I saw that and I Heard it as well. Heard it in your voice. I saw it in your mannerisms as well as how you looked facially. And that journey is quite incredible. And what I was also thinking, if it's okay to say, when we put your social media handles on, I would like people to go and see that for themselves as well, that journey. So this isn't just about getting people talking. <laughs> I sound really stalkery now, well, I don't know, but it was purely for research <laughs> purposes. But that it's quite powerful. So, you know, you don't have to be a psychologist to pick up on that. I could see the change in you, you know, your mannerisms, your face, the way you talked. Um, that's really important because sometimes people don't yeah. realise or perhaps I think underestimate the power of a simple conversation over something routine like having a bowl of soup. Um, I don't yeah. know what your thoughts are I on mean, that. It... No, I've scared you with my stalkery routine. <laughs> <laughs> no, no. I, um, yeah, I, I, you're my first stalker. Oh, I'm really um, honoured to have that title. <laughs> but I think I think it's that kind of thing of like, who knew? You know, I did. Yeah. I didn't know that when I started it that it would like be something that would help me. Yeah. Um, and I think from even doing doing like the live reviews, there were some people that had watched them, and they came to the show not because wow. like they knew me or anything like that. It was just. They'd seen the the soup reviews and, oh, they, and they, they were like they're quite funny, and then just bought a ticket to come and see the the live show, which was crazy. I think I'm, I have to do that again, really. Actually, but it's but, um, also amazing. So something because obviously there's the humour. You're a funny guy. You're really witty. You know, you're lovely to be around. 
But I'm also wondering on a more serious note as well that something resonated with people that they obviously wanted to hear more of as well. Because it takes a lot, doesn't it, mm. to be vulnerable and share your story. Um, sometimes we haven't done that before. And you and I had a conversation about this, that we may, you know, bring elements of our life history into our work or sharing with others. But sometimes we don't always have a really raw organic conversation about it um and i think no. it's lovely that a thank you for coming on and sharing it with us but also that you've been able to see the change in you that you've benefited from sharing as well and i'm not sure everyone always realizes that it's not just about helping other people but it can be beneficial to share your own story yeah. to hear and talk about it oh god yeah yeah i mean i, I think like um because talking about being vulnerable is like i remember acting school it was one of the things um uh, by teacher Jeanette she was she was like you you know you if you can show that yeah then as an actor it's kind of you've let people in yeah you've got them do you know what I mean so like I could yeah. so I was, I was quite good at doing it on stage yeah but then I think in real life um I would go out and just have this character that was like ah, I'm yeah. all right everything's fine da, 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 and then I'd go home and and cry my eyes out <laughs> yeah. so it was kind of like a another performance in a way um and I think I'm glad you shared thing, that yeah yeah I think the soup thing was the first time in in a way that it was like I could talk directly and as me not have a yeah. Uh, as a character when I go out because you know oh, he's all right he's funny and you know but that's the thing I think most most people do have a like a mask on there like absolutely. You know. absolutely so yeah and and humor if it's all right to bring that in then quite often people will use humor as a way of deflecting because it works you know it can keep sometimes in psychology we say if this is kind of you and all your difficult emotions and thoughts and this is other people sometimes it helps create a little bit of a gap or a bit of daylight um and, and yes if we know it works we're more likely to carry on using it aren't we because that's the way that our brain works it goes this is great it's a great idea let's do more at what point if it's all right to say did you notice that happening more and more often you know the kind of this is me outside but then look what i'm experiencing on the inside um, when I'm home. I think I think like when when I realized I was there was summing up with is because I think so I think a lot of people don't realise they're actually depressed. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, I, I, it's a really good point. Yeah. Do you know I, mean? I think you just think this is it, this is life, it's a bit shit. But yeah. I think I was I mean I honestly think I was depressed for so long really before ever really realizing yeah and I, you know yeah. remember having a chat with a, I had a therapist for a bit and and she, you know it was like crikey you've not been all right for ages so you know I mean and then you kind yeah. of I, I, I remember I think the I was meeting my brother and his family for lunch and I remember walking through Brighton and I just started crying <laughs> Um, and I was like, yeah. oh God, because it normally like it, it, had, I was all right. I could hold it. Yeah. And then I was I started crying. I was like, shit, I have to, I have to um sort myself out. Yeah. So I kind of but then I went in the restaurant and 
it was my brother's little kids and they looked at me and they were like are you all right and they knew i wasn't all right and yeah. that's i think like adults will see you yeah they won't they, they'll go oh he might not be all right but i'm not going to say anything whereas a kid goes you're you're all right you know and i was like oh no so um so i think then that you know once i realized that there was something really not right um and then getting a bit of help uh and I think, yeah, stop it. I mean, stopping drinking was massive, uh, really. Okay. Yeah, because I think, like, a lot of people, you say you stop drinking and people go, they think you had a drink problem, but yeah. it wasn't that. It was just that Good I point. just didn't like how I felt when I woke up. Yeah. You know, drinking was like, I was, you know, probably taking away the pain of it all. It's a disinhibitor. But waking isn't it? up. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah, that was good. But it can also lead to lowered moods. It's interesting, you know, in terms of, you know, people might use alcohol quite commonly is used as a, as a way of coping with life's demands. Um, it's quite cyclical, isn't it? Again, the brain goes, hey, this works. Yeah. Let's do more of this. But it also takes quite a lot to what we call formulate that and go, hang on a minute. This is how I feel when I drink. This is how I feel when I'm after. But also, actually, do you know what? This is what I'm noticing in my mood. Is it all right to ask? What kind of help did you get? And how easy was it to reach um, out for all that help as well? Do you know what? It was like, I think I remember going, like, it was my 40th birthday and I think I'd posted on Facebook that I wasn't all right. And okay. my dad's sister in Australia saw it and she phoned my dad up and was like, Christmas not all right. Really, you know, like, and he kind of found out through that way because none of them knew. Yeah. Yeah, and I think... Um, but then my friend April, um, she, well, I think we went for, she always knew I wasn't all right. That was the thing about like April. She's like, she just knew. Yeah. But then it was at a cafe and she just um, went online, got this number for a therapist and just handed me the phone. And was like, they can speak to them. And I was like, oh, can I make an appointment? And made an appointment and that moment there i was like it sort of lifted something as well so i was like oh god yeah i knew yeah. i had to go to that now um so then i think went to the doctors um and the doctor she was great as well she was kind of like this started me on a propanolol like a beta blocker thing um which i could i'd like i don't know if it was just like a in the head thing that because I don't know whether it does much. I don't know. But taking that first pill as well was like, it sort of settled me. I thought, oh, that's that's what I need. Um, yeah. And then okay. weirdly, I kind of used therapy to, to, to write the show. <laughs> Superman. But that's okay. Great, yeah. The reason that I've asked that, just as a, as a guy as well, is actually it can be quite hard, even if you recognise something isn't right, to actually then take that step and actually a lot of people that I see sometimes it can take weeks even months for them to actually make an appointment and, and get through the door but also letting people know that is really normal and that can be part yeah. of the process um but also just being heard what it's like for people to hear when you're saying that you're not okay um because yeah it's really important 
sometimes we well, can I, see, meet I think that, yeah i mean i've got I've, you know i've got family that you kind of i could t tell anything you know i've done a trip yeah. i've got two brothers to the same i know i remember a couple of times with them i'd go like oh, i don't think i'm all right and but i think it must have been hard for them as well to yeah yeah to take that on board um because you know essentially we're all got we're all blokes the three of us we're all the same da -da -da. and um yeah. for me to go like i'm not all right it was like probably quite hard yeah. for them to hear um, but I would say, yeah, just, you know, that first appointment with a therapist, because then I knew I had like, there was maybe hope. <laughs> Cause oh, I'm so glad you brought I was that feeling in. Hopeless. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Go on. There's a big scientific basis behind hope. I don't think we talk about it enough. Um, especially yeah. when you're low in mood, it can be really hard to sometimes see a way out of that or a way forward. Um, and there are a lot of wonderful new emerging studies about the kind of scientific basis of hope, how it can impact us. Um, and, and just as well, bringing in that element about therapy, there could be some misconceptions, can't there, about therapy and what it is, what oh, it yeah. isn't. Um, and yeah. sometimes having that more neutral space to talk, somebody who is trained to be able to hold stuff and not to jump into problem solving, which sometimes maybe family or friends might, you know, naturally want yeah. to do, kind of fix it for you, or even not know what to say. And sometimes that can lead people to backing off. So I, I do think it's important to kind of bring in that, you know, formal therapy can be a really useful space to work through some of this. Um, yeah. Kind of that, yeah. Go on. Working your way forward with, you know, what's next. Yeah, definitely. I think, like, because if you're going to talk to, like, your friends, adults, adults, um, but it is adults, I mean, because kids are spotting yeah. a mile off, they'll go, no, he's not all right. Yeah, but if you're going to talk to adults, you, you chances are you might have that mask up. So, I think talking yeah. to someone you have you don't know, and initially it is quite um daunting and, and kind of kind of yeah. embarrassing. And like, but then when you go, like, so you mean I can just talk? and they go, Yeah, and you go, Okay, and then. Then it's like, oh, that's the mask, and you to have someone you can just talk to and and yeah. tell stuff you wouldn't tell anyone, you know. And I think yeah. that's the thing, the hurdle you've got to get over is like just going to really good point. Yeah. Is it all right to ask then? Were there times for you? Because sometimes putting that mask on could be really effortful, can't it? As well, and that can sometimes add to the cycle of low mood. But were there things that you kind of held on to that you didn't feel? you can say to people was it useful to be able to talk that through with someone yeah i mean i think like uh, you know just waking up feeling so low right yeah. Yeah. and kind of it, i think it's funny and it's like when you want to you don't want to be around anymore it's yeah. it's not so much like that you know the world would be a better place with you it's just that you you don't know if you can do another day feeling like that you know that that's what it was for me i just thought i can't keep feeling like this every day um and i you know i and i think i yeah i sort of i sort of booked a room in in london in a hotel and i booked my train ticket because i was like i'm gonna go up there and do it there because i didn't want to 
any, you know, don't want to mess anything up. <laughs> but it was fine. And I think I told my brother that, and he he really, you know, that that sort of hit home for him then that it's real. You know, it's a real thing. So you got. Let's bring this in then. If you've agreed, but you've not talked openly publicly about this before, have you? No. You got to the point where you considered and actually had a plan of ending your life, didn't you? And what's yeah. really interesting is I think that will resonate with people actually that that feeling of not being able to go on feeling like that. Mm. Well, I was gonna say what stopped you? Big bold question from me. Oh, that's a good question. Um I was just seeing that my seagull was there. Um, we'll bring that in we'll bring that in yeah what stopped me I think I think it was like I didn't want to with my brother's kids I was like oh I I can't have them going oh where's Uncle Christopher and them Mm -hmm. having to you know so so that was a huge part of like yeah you know I thought I can't can't leave them (laughs) um and also I think just having a, I thought there's more, there's more stuff I want to do, but yeah. I, I have to get, I have to get past this feeling. So that's like, you know, so when, um, you know, the, the therapy was booked and I started to enjoy going every week, mm. I was like looking forward to that because I knew, yeah. I, I knew whatever happened in the week, I'd be able to get stuff off my chest and as yeah. an outlet that was brilliant that was like yeah. oh my god a really good point yeah like kind of knowing there's like a safe place because one of the things about therapy is that it's, yeah. it's a safe place there's something predictable about knowing what room you're going to be in there's so many little factors that can actually make quite a big difference to someone yeah. when they're feeling kind of overwhelmed or the world's a tricky place is it all right to ask yeah. so you reached out to your brother you kind of told them what the plan was what happened next um what i'd like because that was i told them after i'd kind of got a bit of help so okay so it wasn't like i was gonna go I'd do it and okay. then yeah so but that kind of hit home for them um and i think you know that thing of not talking yeah, because so many guys don't, and you know, and I think, yeah, you know, you, know, you have a few. Weirdly, you have a few beers with your brothers, and you you talk, you know, I love you, da, 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 all this. But you know, sober the next day, no one talk, talks. No one has mentioned it. It's really Such funny. Good point. It is. Isn't it? So. And how many people that will resonate with? Because, you know, when you see, you know, you know, there's a lot of campaigns that we might see from various mental health charities about, you know, it's good to talk. But I like to also deconstruct, well, what does that look like? What does it look like now? And how do you want it to be different? So I might notice that if I'm out with friends or we're having a drink or a laugh, maybe I'm more likely to talk about emotions. But what could that yeah. look like on a more regular basis? How could we have a bit more of a shift in how we have conversations in our society about well-being? when we're not okay yeah how do I mean, we check it'd be mad, wouldn't it? if you, that's it yeah i mean if you, imagine if you had like an hour 
in a pub where no one drank, but you all just talked, checked yeah. in. Because you, know, like, you go to the pub to get drunk, don't you? You know, your local pub doing a check-in. So we're not going to get drunk. Just going to talk. If there's anything, just to say it. Yeah. Quite helpful, isn't it? <laughs> but I like that, that, that model of the check-in. Um, because there is a difference, isn't there, between mm. waiting for people to initiate. And that can be really hard because there may be, and I've certainly worked with people or had friends where you may want to say something or they may want, but it's really hard to know how to start, when to do it. Um, you know, all those lovely things we have about, I don't want to burden people or they might have stuff going on. It's how we maybe we help people start to check in, um, which kind of brings me back to the, the soup thing and, and your idea for getting people to check in with each other and getting guys yeah. to check in with each other as well and how what are your next steps what could that look like how can we get people to check in to have conversations to be able to maybe hold those conversations a bit better as well because that's also a tricky thing isn't it yeah i mean so i've, I've sort of been thinking that if if i'm doing it with a sort of you know like a guest bowl of soup um I think it's something that, that you could promote with other guys, like get a bowl of soup mm -hmm. and video call your mate and just eat the soup and talk whatever comes up. No force thing. You could follow Absolutely. me rules of having a review. Mate, you know, do the review yourself for a laugh. You get a, get a horrible tasting soup. But well, like pin ham. You can have a chat. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Can't believe you like that. <laughs> have you seen that one no but see now i don't want to see it do i <laughs> oh my god it's one, it's one of the worst outed. ones ever <laughs> Pee and ham. you can see me you in really a whole different child in the 80s oh no i am i am i'll hold my hands up to that <laughs> um but yeah i think i think definitely um you know it'd, it'd be nice to have a have like to have some sort of thing of you know it's thursday night where we have a bowl of soup and, and if, if your mate's not all right have a chat keep the format you know come on with me if you want yes absolutely you have to say so if anybody's interested in coming on what we'll make sure that we put in the show notes how people can find you what i really love because actually that links back to the lockdown that you know one of the things about that is that we quite often we created a routine so we might have you know FaceTime family members and had a meal or whatever once yeah. a week. And sometimes routine and predictability is really good for our well-being. So, you know, your concept, it's such a simple concept. And I think that's why it works. There's also that lovely humorous element, which means it's not quite so scary to start to talk about difficult things, but also making those difficult things more routine to talk about. You know, check in with your mates yeah. over a bowl of soup. I think it's fantastic, but also because it's not that directive, we're having a call and we're going to talk about mental health. Organically, you've said yeah. that a few times actually in this podcast, letting things come up organically as well. Um, conversation flows yeah. a bit better when we're engaged in an activity as well, um, which I absolutely love. And and I love, I've got to keep bringing that in, just the can we talk, you know, question mark. Some people might find it hard, but it's also yeah. so many ways you can take that, you know, can we have a talk because I need to. Can we? Is it allowed? You know, in terms yeah. of men talking about their feelings, there's so many different offshoots from that. Yeah, I and think it, it kind of encapsulates everything, doesn't it? It does. You know, which is why I loved it when you said it. Yeah. 
<laughs> it's like I'll be on board with that because I just I think it's a really fantastic thing and then for those that know me when we're kind of working with mental health I like really simple concepts things that people are more likely to be able to use and therefore get good at build into their routine that's yeah. what makes really good mental health because actually in a way it becomes more of a sorry I'm getting wrecked I mean but more of a preventative model so that we don't just wait till we're at crisis point something's yeah, going yeah. on that we are getting Britain talking you know routinely making it more dare I say it but it's a useful word normalizing those conversations around well-being that it's okay to do but also perhaps and I'm thinking as well it's all right to bring in Chris modeling it for maybe the younger generation as well you know seeing people being okay talking about it but with that wonderful element of humor and he was great I had an absolutely fantastic time with the other week there was so much humour and it is so, so good for you, isn't it? it, it it's kind of visceral. <laughs> and yeah. I think that's the thing that really resonated with me about this, that there is that wonderful humour element as well. And just coming back to the point before that you've noticed what your journey was like when you began to talk. You could see it in yourself. I could see it. I could hear it when I watched back on those videos. And I'm hoping that maybe other people will take the time to go and see that as well. Um <laughs> One of the things, <laughs> I know I have really, really bad taste in soup. What is it about soup? What was it about tin soup? <laughs> Rather than any other product that you could have reviewed, because that's the one question that I still haven't managed to ask yet. Um, well, I think I think it was, there's, there's like a connection, isn't there, between the, the, the can I say, the shitness of a it. tin of soup, yeah. <laughs> yeah, bring it in, let's own it, let's lead into that. <laughs> yeah, I mean, because, you know, like, I remember Heinz, um, I was starting to do a few, and they, they were messaging me, and, you know, and they're not silly, they know they know some of them are awful, <laughs> but they also know that there's a certain demographic that would have grown up on that and would absolutely like, like, for me, oxtail, I love it, I know, I mean, I don't know if that's even beef in it or whatever it is. <laughs> yeah. And there's like I about eight bits of diced carrot that looks like someone's puked in it. Like, it's almost so awful, but, um, it's good. <laughs> yeah. So I think it was like, um, and, and you know, there was, it's, it was cheap. I quite like the idea of just, um, there will be ones that I wouldn't like. I don't really like lumpy soups that much. <laughs> Um, so you're not a Scots broth person, then? <laughs> uh, no, have you seen that one? <laughs> I love Scots broth. <laughs> I have such bad taste oh, in soup. <laughs> yeah, you're covering a lot about me today. <laughs> it's wild, it's worrying. Um, but yeah, I think like, uh, I remember going to to like you go to Astro the shops and there's just so much. And I thought I could do it, you know, how long is it going to take me to get better? <laughs> will it take all of those soups or will it take 20, you know? That's a powerful So I think that I like was, that. yeah, how many soups will it take for you to get better? <laughs> yeah, so, so I, you know, and I remember doing the first one and it was like, I did, I came off going, I enjoyed that. I mean, I look like awful, but, um, but then I, 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 you can watch it back and you go, oh, that, that's quite funny. It made me laugh. And then there'd be little things that during it, you know, the little whistle and the little stuff. But it was like, it was like, it was like a nice, happy place. 
to be. Um, That's what yeah, me. Yeah. Oh, yeah, I was, I was very happy. Like, I said, I want to do them again, actually. I think I need them. So you're looking at relaunching this, aren't you? So kind of revising and bringing yes. it back. Because um, I think it's 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 fantastic concept. But the thing I'm also thinking when I'm looking back on my childhood, when I see a tin of soup, even if it's in the supermarket or whether even if it's not at home, is there's just your brain kind of is really good at making links and memories and associations with things. There's something comforting about seeing a can of soup. And I don't know, that might just be me, but whether, yeah. you know, by opening it, the ritual, the way that you heat it up, whatever, we'll all have our own little style. But there's something quite comforting, quite predictable. And that's what humans like. We like comfort. We like predictability. There's something about warmth. So a warm bowl of soup, warm cup of tea, whatever it is, that will help activate our inner self-soothing system. So there's so much here. It's very rich. Yeah. A bit like some yeah. soups. Um, <laughs> and I think it's lovely. <laughs> I really do. Um, so yeah. where can people find you if they need to find you? Where do you hang out on socials? I will make sure that I put all this in the show notes so people can just click on and, and go find you. As um, well. well, I suppose I'm, I'm on Instagram. Um, I think that's Superman1479. As in tin of soup. <laughs> I love yeah. that. Um, I think Facebook, there is a, I think there's a soup um Soup review page, Chris's soup reviews, um, and then Chris Willoughby. But I need to do more, really, because I'm, you know, now I'm getting back into my soups. Just pulling my socks out. Um, <laughs> the soup revival. <laughs> yeah. Well, one of, of, the, one of the lovely things about the, the show notes is that they stay live, so we can just keep updating them, which is brilliant. So we know people are more likely oh, cool. to kind of link than to remember a kind of an auditory version of a, a Facebook or a, a handle which I think is yeah. fantastic. So when you look back on your journey, when you look back at what you've been through, and thank you for feeling able and safe enough to, to share that with us, is there any little adversity takeaway that you could give us? I always like to ask people, if we've had a lot, if there was one little nugget that you could give us, what would that be? What, like a tip? Yeah, or just one little reflection one thing about coping um, with what you've been through i think i think definitely for me was when i when i just realized the um what's important i think that was quite um yeah. the, what you you know what you value um over you know, so you can go to work and you you can worry and all that, and it doesn't change anything. Yeah. Or you can um, worry about the good stuff, you know. Um, but also, I think just realising the absurdity of everything. <laughs> laugh at it. Laugh at it. Yeah. Like, I mean, because I wake up in the morning sometimes, I look in the mirror and I just laugh. <laughs> and it's so, I'm not laughing like, at that. I'm laughing at the concept. Yeah. <laughs> No, but it's great, isn't it? You kind of go. I mean, have you ever looked at your bank account and it's like minus, and you and you just start laughing? <laughs> it's like, <laughs> I mean, what am I going to do? It doesn't matter. Like that kind of the power yeah, of how so, picky the mind can be with its thoughts, and it can just send us yeah. all sorts of stuff. And how and I think you know, you want something bad, happen, something bad will happen. 
yeah yeah so that you know, kind of ability of... to just laugh and do you know what i'm going to bring yeah. in as well laughing with someone <laughs> yeah because i did a lot of laughing with you and i felt incredible it's nice to be able to laugh with someone especially if you have a similar sense of humor as well and i think one of the things yeah. that people might take if they have a look back at some of the videos that you've done already to kind of get a sense of you is the kind of stuff that you find funny i think resonates with well it certainly resonates with me. um it's just really nice to watch so you know <laughs> i just wit humor it's it's priceless isn't it um, yeah and you know i'm a long way from my stand-up ready but i'm learning <laughs> I, I think yeah. it's an incredible thing <laughs> to have. You're not allowed to comment on that. <laughs> I think that's the thing. Is, is, as long as it makes you laugh, yeah, um, that's all that matters, I think. I um, make myself laugh a lot. For me. Not everyone else laughs, yeah. but I laugh at myself quite often. <laughs> no, so you might laugh at yourself right? in the mirror. I laugh at what I say to myself or sometimes even <laughs> yeah. what I think <laughs> in my head. Yeah, oh, yeah. I'm very glad that it sometimes I mean, stays in my head. <laughs> Yeah, see, I've started saying it, and I'd probably, I'd probably get in trouble for that. But, um, but that's another point of going. You know, I'm just going to say it because it releases. I wasn't going to go home and wish I'd have said it. <laughs> the power of the frontal lobes that sometimes we might want to inhibit ourselves in terms of what we say. Now, I need to bring in an extra special guest. So, therapy seagull. <laughs> Can we bring in? We've got time to bring in therapy seagull. This is almost another heart yeah, Instagram um, in itself. <laughs> so for it people probably that don't is. Know, I mean, you, live, you live down in Brighton. Let's give people a little bit of context because I have some people that listen yeah. all over the world. So you live in Brighton, which is south of London on the, the south sea. coast of the UK, by the sea. Yeah. <laughs> and um, you have a chum, don't you? <laughs> best mate. Yeah. Uh, so during lockdown, this was... The, uh, this little sea, little baby seagull turned up. Um, and normally they're there, wah, 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 and you're kind of like, go on, go on, go in. But being that, like, there was no one else literally to talk to, we were all locked away. I thought yeah. I'll let him stay. <laughs> um, and then he sort of just came back again. And then I was like, maybe I can feed him. So I fed him and then. Four years later, he's now a fully grown therapy seagull. He's like, I love that. So he's here every day. Not not now, obviously. So that wonderful human, animal, bird, avian, avian, is that the word? Connection. Yeah. I mean, I think he saved me, you know, because like, coming into that was like, I was kind of depressed and then, and then, Coming into 2020, uh, yeah. Um, then you know, then we had the lockdown, uh, and it was you know, sort of every morning waking up, and I'd look over and he'd be there, and it was like, wow, wow. I mean, even just watching him is very calming, yeah, because yeah. he would just sit there, and like the wind's blowing, it could be raining, he stands there and sits down and that, but um, yeah, and you know, you can't. You, I could walk home and he's, he's there waiting. It's incredible. So, um, yeah. I had Sporky, absolutely, I'm totally ignorant now. I had absolutely no idea <laughs> that you could create such a bond with a seagull. <laughs> yeah. 
Yeah. I might have to in our uh, promotion, maybe get a photo of Therapy Seagull and tag him on. There might even be another yeah, whole podcast episode in itself there, Chris, I think. on You know, I've done I've done a podcast episode before, actually, with that. We have a mutual friend on the kind of humor animal connection. Um, but even though, yeah. you know, we're having a we're having a giggle, it's actually really important, isn't it? It can be really powerful, really powerful. Yeah, I think if, if something like a little seagull can um, take the time to just come and check you all right, then yeah. humans yeah. should be able to do it, shouldn't they? I mean, he probably that's is. That's a he's really good point. Really good point. Um, does he have a name, or she? Yeah, a Squawky. Squawky. <laughs> yeah, because um, he doesn't really squawk a lot. I think it's a he as well. I don't know how you know. <laughs> um, well, apparently they are very difficult to sex. We promise we weren't going to go down a certain route. <laughs> okay. um, but yeah, so I think he, he, when when they have their young, he, he's he, like he, he's off for about a month and a half, so he's protecting them. So there's lots and of little baby squawkies around, which is just lovely, yeah. isn't it? And I wonder who else they're visiting. So I wonder how many babies he's had over the years, then, since that first yeah. lockdown. I don't know how. I often imagine they've got his, they've got his genes, and they want to go and help people. Yeah, yeah. Another whole, literally, butterfly effect, but with seagulls. Yeah. <laughs> Chris, that hour has flown by. Oh god, has it got old? Literally flown by. I am really tempted, actually, because there is a part of me that when you start up your soup again, that we get you back on. And cover this yeah. a little bit more because there is actually so much more that I would like to talk about as well, which is not usually a surprise with me. Um, I'm having more and more people that are coming back on. Um, yeah, I'd love to, that, definitely. I think you have a lot to share for people. Um, but thank you so much. I can't wait to get this episode out there. Um, and we don't need to do too much editing, do we? Thankfully, <laughs> not too much we need no, to cut out. The, uh, that last little bit. <laughs> I'm going to keep that in. It's real. Brilliant. It's real. We're rated yeah. as um, X, so we're okay. <laughs> I can oh, cover a lot. <laughs> we're X for explicit on Apple, so we're we're covered. We're all right. <laughs> yeah. Thank you That's so much, thing. Chris. It's been so lovely it to is. have you Thank on. Thank you, Tara. Really lovely. <laughs> Thank you for listening to the Adversity Psychologist Podcast. I'm Dr. Tara Quintarillo, and it's been lovely having you along to listen to this episode. If you want to find more about me, you can find me at drtara.co.uk. So you'll see everything I'm up to, my media work, my collaborations, my clinical work, if you're interested in that. And of course, all the other episodes of the Adversity Psychologist Podcast. If you're interested in coming on, you can also contact me and let me know what you would like to come and talk about. I'd love to hear from you.